Welcome to Shofar Cape Town South Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. By the way, I'm a dad, so I'm going to make lots of dad jokes tonight. I'm just, I'm just warning you, okay. Um, but thank you, Matthew. Sure. You guys have an amazing pastor, and Pastor D as well, and We've had the privilege to spend the weekend with, um, with some of you and also with the other congregation, uh, Cape, Town, sort of Cape Town South, changes names every now and then, so I just need to make sure what I'm saying the right name. Um, but thank you, Matthew. Thank you to the team for hosting us and for having us. We did some, some great workshops yesterday. So my name is James, as you heard. Uh, I always like to show a photo of my family, so this is where I come from. This is my, my, my girls back home. There's my wife, Carla. We've been married for, next year will be 10 years. And, oh, wow, am I really getting that old? <laughs> that people say, wow, when I say how many years I've been married. But, I mean, wow, for the grace of God. Uh, and then the, the older one, she's nearly four. That's Abby. And Riley is the little, she's, uh, she's eight and a half months. Um, it's funny. When I, when I grew up with three older sisters, and... Um, apparently at one stage, my mom overheard me saying to my friend, I know how to handle girls. <laughs> and God obviously heard that as well, because that's, that's my life, basically, as girls. I have pink Tupperwares for, for, for work and everything. Um, but it's, it's really a privilege for us to be here. So we, you might have heard somewhere over the evening, we, we launched the Behold album last year. It's the Shuffle Band. Um, and we've been going around to the different churches and sharing a bit behind the message behind the album. I just want to get out of the, sorry, the light of this projector. Um, and so I think this is, if I counted correctly, church number 23 uh, that we've had the privilege to go and worship with. Uh, and maybe a show of hands, who's listened to the Behold album? Okay, about half of you. So the rest of you guys have got some homework to go, and this is a appropriate environment to give homework, uh, but this is good homework. Go and listen to the Behold album. So you can, uh, we've got some CDs. It's this thing that you put in a, something called a CD player um, that, you can, that you can buy for 65 bucks that's here. Um, or you can listen to it on Apple Music or Spotify, wherever you listen to music. Or you can even download it for free. Okay, so you can go to chauffeurband.com uh, and you can download the whole album for free. Um, so... Please do do that. Uh, we, we really believe that the songs are, are kind of what we feel God is saying to us as the show for churches. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit behind that uh, tonight. Um, very simple message, but I'm really expectant for what God wants to do amongst us. He's already started working in our hearts. I mean, through, through worship, God's already started preparing us. I, I kind of feel like worship was already a sermon, uh, what, what God did in ministry time. Um, but let's just pray together. God, we are just so thankful for your presence. We are so thankful to be together tonight and to know that we are not just gathered as however many people are here in this hall, just us, but that you are here amongst us. We value and we treasure your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, you didn't leave us as orphans, but you filled us. And it's because of you, Holy Spirit, that we can cry out, Abba, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here to minister to hearts tonight. And I pray, God, that as the word is shared, and as I just bring this very simple message that's on my heart, God, Holy Spirit, that you would come and 
God, just come and plant those seeds in our hearts. Lord, we declare our hearts to be good soil, fertile soil for, for the seed of your word tonight. Come and change us. Come and make us more like Jesus. Jesus, we love you. There's no one like you. You are the image of the invisible God. You show us the Father. And we honor your presence in this place. Be glorified. Be magnified. Your kingdom come and your will be done in this place as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So I'm going to start with something a little bit different tonight. I'm going to give us two or three minutes where we're just going to be quiet. Okay? So if you're writing notes or something, you can maybe just close your book for a second. If you don't see anybody on Facebook or anything, so that's good. If, you, if your phone is out, put that away. But I just want us to close our eyes, and I'll decide whether it's going to be two or three minutes I'll let you know when it's over. And I just want us to enjoy the presence of God in this place. Do you agree with me that God is present amongst us? Amen. So I don't want you to pray. Um, and I want, I want us to all just try to keep our thoughts from wandering, from going to other places. Just to be present to the fact that God is here amongst us. We're just in His presence. Okay, so our thoughts aren't wandering. We're not necessarily praying. We're just enjoying God together for a couple of minutes. So let's do that. Amen. Father, we thank you for your peace in this place. We thank you that we can silence other things so that we can hear your voice. We thank you that you want to speak to us tonight. We just say, God, speak. We're listening. Amen. Okay. Now, can I see a show of hands? Who, who felt that that was a really long two or three minutes? Who struggled to kind of keep your thoughts from wandering into other things? Let's, let's be honest. Okay. A lot of us. A lot of us. All right. I'm going to get us to quickly share with the person next to you. If you're not sitting right next to or close to somebody, just move, move down the, the aisle a little bit. Now, I want you to quickly share with the person next to you two or three did you, did you struggle to, to keep your, your thoughts from wandering to other things? And if you did, what, what, kind of what were the things that your, your thoughts were, were, were wandering towards? Okay, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to do that. Make sure both people get, to, get a chance to share, so let the other person share as well. Okay, you can start wrapping up. So I, I try to listen out to hear kind of some of the conversations, but there was just too much talking going on. So I didn't really hear, but uh, quite a few of you put up your hands. Uh, and I know for myself, if I'm trying to be still and be quiet, there's often my mind just goes to the stuff I need to do. I don't know if anybody went to that, you know, like you're thinking what has to happen after church tonight. You're thinking what has to happen in the week. Uh, a lot of the stuff we think about is our fears, our worries, the stuff that we're concerned about. Uh, that's the stuff that, that kind of pops up. And uh, I think we will all agree that it is difficult to keep your mind on one thing. Okay? It's difficult to keep our minds on one thing. And so the, the name of our album is Behold, and to behold means to see. 
And it comes from the first chapter of John, basically, I think Matthew quoted it somewhere along the line, where basically the, John the Baptist is baptizing people in the desert, and he sees Jesus coming towards them, and he says, Behold, look, stop what you're doing. Take notice, consider the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so that's, that's really at the, the heart of the message of, of our album is, is this invitation to behold God, this invitation to see God. Uh, and and that, that theme of seeing God comes through really strongly in one of the songs that we sang tonight, Fix Our Eyes. I think the lyrics are, are up there um, for Fix Our Eyes. It's, it says, there's none like you, no other God, our eyes are on you. You're immortal, you're enthroned in light, we fix our eyes on you. And then that bridge, we fix our eyes on you three times. <laughs> You're holding our complete attention. And that line, we fix our eyes, it comes from Hebrews chapter 12. That's such, uh, the verse where it says, you, you know, you're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. So lay aside the weight, lay aside the sin that wants to hold so closely to you. And I, I found it one of the most encouraging scriptures. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. How do you run that race? How do we run with endurance? How do we not grow tired, tired or weary? We fix our eyes, looking to Jesus. Some translations, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter, the author and the finisher, the one who started our faith and the one who's going to finish our faith. It's this whole idea of keeping our eyes fixed on Him. Speaking about our attention. And that's what I'm wanting to share tonight is, is around our focus and our attention. And we all agree just now that it's difficult to keep your attention on one thing, right? You know, it's exponentially more difficult to keep your attention on one thing when you've got a hundred other things fighting for your attention. And as I mentioned, I, and I showed you the picture of my two girls. So when I go to church and if I'm not on band, I end up in the craziest place in the church, which I think the vast majority of you don't know about. It's called the parents' room. All right. Every ch most churches have, have one. Um, and so what you have is this little room, and they normally have a screen where they show the sermon, and they have an audio feed. And then you've got these diehard die parents sitting there and watching the screen of the sermon. But around these parents... You've got what feels like a thousand little children that are going crazy everywhere in the room. They are fighting and screaming and throwing up and like having nappies and like doing all these crazy things. And you just see the parents like zoning in on, I'm here at church, I'm going to hear the sermon. <laughs> but there's just like chaos around. And I, I think that's just a, a really... <laughs> A really good picture for me that it is difficult to keep your attention on one voice when there are so many other voices that are shouting at us. There's a story um, that Corneille, Dr. Corneille Becker told a few years ago that absolutely changed my life. Uh, who knows Dr. Corneille Becker? Hands up. Okay. So he's a speaker. He's, he's actually South African, but he lives in, the, in America. And he normally comes to our Convergence Conference. And... It feels like every year that he comes, at the end of his sermon, I get saved again. And then I, I realize, okay, I'm not following Jesus. This is following Jesus. Um, so I had a similar experience with this one um, 
Convergence. By the way, come to Convergence. If you can at all make it, it's happening 6 to 8 September. It's in a couple of weeks. Um, but he told the story once where he took a lady to church, an elderly lady. An elderly lady who was from a very conservative, traditional background. I think her name was Madge. That just sounds like a good name. Uh, but her name was Madge. And so now... Kone was from a charismatic church. And I think this is kind of a charismatic church, right? So, so who knows when you want to take your very traditional conservative friend to charismatic church, you pray that whole week. Lord, let it just be a normal service. Like, <laughs> let it not be too crazy. Let it just be a bit more chilled so that this poor person isn't completely freaked out by the time the announcements happen, you know. And so this was Cornet's prayer all week because he's taking Madge to church. And so Madge comes to church and <laughs> as you would have it, it is the craziest Sunday of the year. There's like demons manifesting. There's people doing all the dancing with the ribbons. And at, at one point, uh, the worship leader kicked her shoes off and she was lying prostrate on the, on the stage. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was one of those Sundays, okay? Anyway, end of the service, they're walking out, and Cornet says to Madge, with a lot of kind of fear in his heart, you know, Madge, how was it? And Madge says it was amazing. She loved it. It was wonderful. The fellowship was amazing. The word was just so spot on, and the worship, she loved the worship. She loved everything. She loved Everything. Just one thing that she has against it. Too many words. Too many words. We did so much talking. When did we take time to listen? And I think for myself, coming from a charismatic background, and all of us sitting here, we can agree that often there's a lot of talking but not always so much listening. And so, I need to say this. Don't get me wrong. Scripture is full of noise, all right? Scripture is full of the people of God making a lot of noise, singing, prophesying, shouting, dancing, all of the expressions. Heaven is full of noise. Heaven is a noisy place. Heaven is filled with countless angels singing the praise of God. Um, and so, I actually think it's, it's dangerous when Christians become, when, when that's it's, it's a kind of a tactic that I see the enemy uses a lot where he, he wants to silence us. When we lose our song, when we lose our ability to pray, when we lose our ability to speak into a situation, that's, that's a, a dangerous place to be in when the enemy does that. But there's a beautiful place where God wants to silence us. Where we're willing to just sit and be in awe and be in reverence of the only one who is worthy and to listen to him. I'm going to make a statement and you can tell me if you agree or not. We are the most distracted generation in the history of mankind. Do you agree? I, I, I surely, I've, I've heard this from, from a number of people, so I'm not just making this up, but 
there can surely not be any other time in history where there was more opportunity for us to distract ourselves. It's just everywhere we go, everything that we do, it's just, I mean, we're online, we're, we've got phones, we've got internet, it's just this global community, everything is connected. We're always? Always on, always online. And so there's this war that is literally raging for our attention. There's a war that is raging for our affection. And so we live these distracted lives. We live these busy lives. I, I don't know about you, but I find it feels like nine times out of ten, if I ask somebody, how are you doing? What do they say? Busy. If you, if you non-say, then you'll say, in the busy. Yeah. <laughs> we're busy. We, we're busy. We're distracted. We're, we're overstimulated. There's just so much opportunity for us to distract ourselves. And the thing is that we take that constant state of distraction into the presence of God. And we don't know anymore what it means to wait. We don't know anymore what it means to be silent. We don't know anymore what it means to listen. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with somebody who while you're having a conversation, you can see this person would rather be having a conversation with somebody else. <laughs> Have you had that? Like you're looking them like dead in the eye, and they're, they're looking back and yeah, 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 huh? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Hey, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Constantly looking over our shoulders. But isn't that what we do so many times with God? We're looking over His shoulder. I kind of think about that every time I see somebody make an Instagram post about their quiet time. I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you. <laughs> Let the conviction fall. <laughs> We've all seen those photos, you know, the Bible open, the <laughs> cup of coffee, the highlighters, <laughs> hashtag coffee with the king. <laughs> but isn't it weird? We've got the opportunity to spend quality time with God, but we feel like we need to let our 800 or 1,000 or however many followers and friends know that we're doing this. But I don't know about your Bible. My Bible, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he didn't say, go into your room, close the door, and take a selfie. Okay. <laughs> go into your room, close the door, and pray in secret. And the Father who sees in secret, he sees what's going on in our hearts. And so what are we doing is we're numbing ourselves to true relationship with God and true relationship with one another as well. Uh, I think it's, we can all agree, you know, the, the kind of the way that we live our lives and the culture that we're living in, we, we just have these shallow relationships, even, even amongst one another. These relationships that don't go any further because we're, we're presenting 
versions of ourselves. We're not presenting the true ver version of who we are. We're not saying to one another who we really are. We, we're putting on these masks and we, we're putting our best foot forward and saying, this is who I am. And we kind of have a relationship with, one another, with that presentation of one another. We don't have true relationship with what, with what is who I really am. And what I'm here to encourage you, Church of Jesus Christ, don't settle for shallow relationships. The church of God, the body of Christ, is a community that is present to one another. A community that knows one another. That is ready to rejoice when one rejoices and to mourn when, when somebody mourns. We're going to get to, to some scriptures in a second. I really, I really felt tonight to be practical, okay? I don't, maybe it's the lecture hall or something, but I, I just really sense to, to be practical. So I want to talk quickly about something that is very practical. What do you think is one of our biggest sources of distraction? Social media, the internet. Where do you access all of those things? On your cell phone. Jason said it first, but it was too early to say it. So. <laughs> Our phones. I, I was reading an article the other day, and it said it so well. Do you rule your phone, or does your phone rule you? It's not, one, it's, it's not a combination of them. It's one or the other. Do you rule your phone, or does your phone rule you? And this is time for another discussion point. Quickly, with the person next to you, I want you to ask that person, how do you know if you're addicted to your phone? And do you think you're addicted to your phone? Give you another 20 seconds, so make sure you're all getting a chance. All right. I hope you guys are being honest in your conversations, hey? Are we being honest with one another? I, I thought it was so funny. In the week of me preparing for, for, to come to you guys, for a week, our Wi-Fi went down at home. I mean, Wi-Fi is a basic human right. Huh? <laughs> 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 and it revealed all the ungodliness that God still needs to pull out of me as I didn't have Wi-Fi at home. But how do we know if we're addicted? I think... Can you ignore a notification that goes off? <laughs> Do you mind if your phone is on the other side of the room and you don't really know where it is? You know, this is, this is not going to apply to everybody. My wife, for instance, bless her heart, she does not care at all about her phone. So it is impossible to get hold of her. <laughs> so it's great. She's not addicted to her phone, but it means that like, if I send her a message, it goes into some black hole and like... <laughs> I just hope that it comes, that she gets it one day. She's one of those people who, at, at the end of the day, will kind of realize she hasn't seen her phone the whole day. But for, for the rest of us, like me, I think it's important to have some things like commitments in place, things that we commit to. I said we're getting practical tonight. Commit ourselves to not letting our phones rule us, but to rule our phones. So I put there on the screen just some of the stuff that, that I've been doing for the last six months or so, and it's, it's really changed my life. I've turned off message notifications so I don't get that shot of dopamine every time there's a ping. Because you know that's what happens, right? Ping. Ah, oh, reward. All right? 
turn off your message notifications. In the mornings when I wake up, there's a Corey Asbury song, when, in the morning when I wake up, you're the first thing on my mind. For many years, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that song. Why? Because first thing on my mind, I look at my phone. I read my messages. So I've changed that where I will not look at my phone until I've had a quiet time. Um, if I'm having a conversation with you, I will not pull my phone out. I will not look at it. If I'm having a meal with somebody or a coffee date with somebody, the phone is not on the table. The phone is in the pocket. Uh, when I get home in the evenings, I've got kids, so I, I've said from the time I get home until they're in bed, I don't look at my phone. And obviously, not all of, I don't, think, I don't know if there's any parents here, but having that time in the evening, when you get home, put it away, put it in a drawer, forget about it for a couple of hours. The last one, I'm not, get, I'm not so good at. That's like having a weekly Sabbath for, away for like half a day or something. You just put the thing away. All right, but... This is just something practical. Do you rule your phone or does it rule you? But now, what I really want to get to is, is turning away from distractions like our phones or social media or whatever it is. That's, that's one part of it. But it's not everything. Because we don't just turn away from distractions. We turn to something that is sweeter. We desire something that is better. And there is something that is so much sweeter, that is so much better than any pleasure this world can offer you. So now we're going to read some scripture together. Paul knew about it. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, one of my favorite scriptures, he, he kind of lists his pedigree, all of these things that set him apart as a great guy. <laughs> and then he says, but whatever gain I had. I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. He counts all else, all else as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this. Uh, this is encouraging for me, hey? guy like Paul. He hasn't already obtained this. He's not already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining to what lies, to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's somebody whose attention and his focus and his eyes are in the right place. David says it beautifully as well in, in Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I've asked of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This is, if I had to say, God, just give me one thing. If I had one prayer to pray that I knew God was going to answer, one thing I've asked, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. We fix our eyes on you. 
you holding our complete attention? One of the main scriptures for the Behold album was 2 Corinthians um, 3 verse 18. I think we can actually read it there. We, where it says, we're all with unveiled face. We're beholding the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is just such a powerful scripture. It's, what it's basically saying is that you become what you behold. We're beholding the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed into the same image. Basically, we're becoming more like Jesus by beholding Him. And this happens by the Spirit. It says this comes from the, from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So that's my question for us tonight, is what are we beholding? If we become what we behold, what are we beholding? And if our desire is to behold God, how do we behold Him? We behold Him in His Word. And I love Matthew. Matthew is one of those walking Bibles. He just pours out Scripture wherever he goes. And that's something I, I aspire to, to do as well. It's just to, to soak in the Word, to behold God in His Word to the point where it's just, that's what flows out my mouth. We behold God in His Word. We behold God in worship. Places like, like tonight where we, we could just reverence God. And when we're on our own in the secret place, we can reverence God. We behold Him in prayer and intercession, not just for ourselves, but for our cities, for our communities. We behold God in serving others. And we behold God in silence. And when we, beho- when we behold God, we behold who He is. We behold His character. We just... Meditate on who he is, who he's revealed himself to be. We behold what he's busy doing amongst us. That's always encouraging. That's why testimonies are so beautiful and so encouraging when we see what God is busy with, what God is doing amongst us. And we also behold him in what he has already done for us. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. Therefore, Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let's run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. You endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I believe there's many of us tonight who are weary and faint-hearted. But how do we become, how do we not become weary and faint-hearted? What does Scripture say? Consider him, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I'm convinced that Jesus did not die for us to have a familiar, casual relationship with God. Christ did not go through what he went through so that I could just have this casual relationship with the Father. He died for me to have intimacy. He died for each one of us to have intimacy with the Father, for us to know the Father as sons and as daughters. And there's a really powerful difference between slaves and sons. Because slaves 
They stand at a distance, right? They wait until they're summoned. Slaves don't know whether they're welcome or not in the master's presence. But sons, sons come confidently. Sons come boldly. And it's all by grace. It's not by our own merit. It's by his righteousness. And so what we're going to end off with tonight is, I said we, we need to not just move from distraction, but we need to turn to something sweeter. And so tonight we're going to turn to something sweeter in a very simple way. Where we're going to have communion together. I love having communion. I'm so thankful that Jesus instituted communion. Where he, he had this meal with his disciples and he said, Here's my body, here's my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Thanks, guys. They're going to go and prepare that in case you, they're not offended with me. I don't, I don't think. Why did Jesus do this? Why did he tell us to do this in remembrance of him? It's because we become familiar with the story. We become casual with the story. We, all of us know it. You know, if you had to right now present a, a Kitty's Church a message on what the gospel is, all of us can tell the story. But there's a deeper place of considering him. Consider what he did so that... You don't grow weary. How often do we consider him? How often do we consider what he did? The fact that he was God himself who emptied himself to come and live amongst us, to be rejected by us, to be spat on by us, to be crucified by us, to experience separation from the Father, for us. They're going to hand that up. But let this be a part of the way that we worship. That yes, we're loud and we're noisy, but we're also quiet. And yes, we pray and we prophesy, but we also listen. And then we take time to consider Him. To meditate on who he is. And then we ask the Holy Spirit. We cannot see. We cannot see God without the Holy Spirit. We cannot sit here and try to imagine him in our own strength. It's the Spirit of God who unveils us. Who opens our spiritual eyes so that we can see him. And so whenever you spend time in the presence of God. When you spend time in. As we're going to do communion now. Or if you do this at home. Or even if you just want to sit in his presence. We first ask, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see. I cannot see on my own. Everything, before we, got, before we got saved, before God rescued us, the things of God were foolishness to us. We didn't understand it. We were dumb. We were like a blind animal. But then when the Spirit of God opened our eyes, suddenly we could see the things of God. And wait for them to finish handing up.
awesome. So what are we going to do tonight? We're going to, in a moment, I'm just going to pray for us. Thanks, I've got it in there. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're just going to take a, a couple of minutes, just in twos and threes, to celebrate again the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. To consider Him again. And when we do this, we pray, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see again what Jesus did for me, what He did for us, what He did for those who don't yet know Him. So shall we, can we stand together? And the band can come up. Once we've, once we've had communion, um, we're going to sing one more song. Behold the Lamb. Where together we are going to consider the Lamb. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do an altar call or something tonight. Um, you know, I always say that that bridge of fix our eyes. We fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. You're holding our complete attention. I didn't write that line three times because I didn't know what else to write there. But this is a lifestyle of fixing our eyes on Jesus, because it's not a matter of tonight we pray a prayer and we experience a warm fuzzy moment and then for the rest of our lives we eyes fixed. You know, but it's about saying, God, I know my heart is like that hymn. Um, my heart is prone to wander. My heart tends to want to wander away. My heart tends to be distracted. But Jesus, help me. Spirit of God, help me fix my eyes on you. It's about cultivating this heart, that heart of David that says one thing. I want one thing, to gaze on your beauty. That I can agree with Paul that, Everything else, the greatest achievements, the greatest successes, are counted as rubbish compared to knowing you, Jesus. Okay, so I'm going to pray. And if you, if you just want to agree with this prayer, I'm basically going to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God, for being distracted. And I'm going to ask him to again... Give me the grace to fix my eyes on him. If you want to agree with that, if you, if you want to agree that, yes, my heart tends to get distracted. I know my mind is just so busy when I spend time in the presence of God. I know when we had the two or three minutes earlier that my mind just goes into the things I need to do and I'm just task-focused. If you want to agree with that, then let's just raise our hands to him tonight. Jesus, you are here amongst us. Father God, you are here amongst us. Spirit of God, you are here amongst us. And you see a group of people, God, who we, we freely admit, Lord, that we so easily get distracted. And our hearts so easily run after other things and after other pleasures. And we're sorry, Lord. We're sorry for desiring anything other than you and your glory and your kingdom. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us the grace to fix our eyes again on Jesus. God, amongst everything that is going on, amongst this war that is raging for our attention, that you would give us the grace to fix our eyes on Him who endured what He endured for us. A heart that considers Him. A heart that longs after the things that you long after. That love the way that you love. 
Let's see the way that you see. And even as we take communion tonight, Lord, I pray that this wouldn't just be a ritual that we go through, but you would show us again the power of the broken body of Christ. You would show us the power of the blood of Christ. That blood which speaks a better word than any other voice. That blood which speaks over our nation and over our communities and over our families. There's nothing stronger than the blood of Christ. And we celebrate. We are so thankful again tonight for the blood of Christ. We recognize that we cannot enter your presence boasting in anything else but the blood of Christ. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we drink and we eat together, that you would again show us what Jesus did for us. Amen. So you can just take a a couple minutes, just in twos or threes. You can pray together. You can pray together and and just share communion together. And then after that, we'll, we'll end up with this one song. So take a couple minutes to do that, just in twos or threes.